And we're in our sporty red convertibles with die bitch on the side. Yeah, if you guys don't know what we're referring to, then please listen to our most recent Back on the Block podcast. Why? Because we're really funny and entertaining, but also because we will explain there right. what that reference to. So we're cruising down Hollywood Boulevard, and we got some shiz we got to talk to you about. Some shiz indeed. Karen, do you want to talk about some shiz you recently watched? Yeah, so, okay, completely out of character for me. It Ready? is, actually. Right? Right? Completely yeah. out of character. I watched, over the weekend, the Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler Netflix movie, Murder Mystery. Do tell. Listeners, it was fabulous. What? I had a ball. I thought it was funny. I thought it was charming. I thought it was absolutely adorable. I think Jennifer Aniston, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, is actually the rom-com queen. So I was going to say, tell me the plot, and then I will tell you a confession. But I will just open with the confession, which is I genuinely like Jennifer Aniston. I do, too. I think that I don't think that she's ever been given enough credit for comedic chops. I I 100% agree. And I think it's fair to say, like, you saw them improve over the course of Friends before she even ventured off into all of the, the rom-com films. But, like, by the end, her comedic timing, her physical comedy, like, was gold. Like, she rose to the occasion. Yes. And and I'm sorry that she's not had some better movies with which to show it off, but she's got the stuff. She really does. And she is charming as hell in this movie. Okay, okay. so basically... Um, Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler play a married couple. They've been married for 15 years. Um, he's a cop in New York City. She's a hairstylist, okay? So we're talking, like, really, like, gritty working class folks, right? I mean, not like Aniston plays it that way, and it doesn't friggin' matter because she's just really funny. And so basically, like, Sandler's character is kind of a bit of a fuck-up. He can't shoot. He's, like, he's got a terrible shot, you know? I mean, he's a bit of a joke of a cop, but he's holding down his job like he's a lovable schlub, right? Like, that's Adam Sandler. That's what he plays. And he does the lovable schlub thing so friggin' well, you know? So, um, so they're, it's their 15th anniversary and he like basically doesn't get her a gift and she's kind of upset with him. And he's like, well, no, I was going to surprise you. Your surprise is coming tomorrow and then we're going to Europe. He had no surprise. He didn't know this. This is all last minute thing, right? So he's got to like hustle to get plane tickets, get some on it on the airplane and fault promptly falls asleep, and Aniston finds herself in the first class area where they have a bar, where she meets a dashing viscount, 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 viscount. I don't know. It's one of those British titles. Vicomte. 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 Is that it? No, um, if you're French, yeah. Played by Luke Evans, who is, of course, oh, Studley, um, and he basically. <laughs> invites them on a yacht, right? And 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 so it's going to be way more glamorous than the shitty bus tour that Adam Sandler has has purchased for them. So they go on this yacht and it's basically this billionaire family and they're all feuding. And somebody kills the billionaire, the old guy and and you know, it looks like it looks like um Jennifer and Adam's characters Nick and Audrey Spitz are being framed for this guy's murder. So it's they're trying to solve the, the murder 
and at the same time clear their names. And there's like this Inspector Clouseau, like literally, I think his, his character was like um, Inspector Lacroix, Lacroix, like the like the water, you know. And and he is definitely like totally an Inspector Clouseau. I think I read a review that said like you would almost expect to have like a Pink Panther lapel pin on him because he is such a Clouseau. And it just, you're going through, like, all of these, like, you know, Monaco and, like, fancy places, and then they go to Italy and the cobblestone streets, and you, you just, you're just, like, along for the ride, and it's just so delightful and so fun, and, and the, and their chemistry, Sandler and, um, Aniston's chemistry together is fantastic, and it's just, like, a goofy-ass movie. It's got really nothing to say except that they're adorable. And they don't need to have anything to say because it's just a really good time. I think Escapist Fun is great. I I don't mean to judge when I ask this, but what led you to start watching? Well, you know, we were we were home. I don't remember what night it was that we watched. It might have been Sunday. And we were just like sitting on the couch and my daughter was like flipping through. She's like, you want to watch something? I'm like, yeah, whatever. And then we caught like, you know, the Netflix trailer for this. And, and I'm like, that looks kind of funny. And I'm like, I wonder if they used all the good bits up in the trailer, you know, like that's what I was expecting. And, and so we watched it and I'm happy to say they didn't use all the good bits in the trailer. Like there were still good bits. Nice. So it is on my eventually list. Um, I would like to see, I, I don't really run toward the Adam Sandler movies post wedding singer, but um, but I do like watching Jennifer. So well, you know what? I think the problem with Adam Sandler is that he kind of turned the idea of playing like the man boy into a cottage industry, and I have to say, like he's not that in this. Okay, yeah. I mean, I'll always give it a try, and I liked the Meyerowitz stories that was on Netflix a year and a half ago. Um, that he was in and, um, yeah, I, I didn't even know about this as a thing that was happening until maybe a week before it was dropped. I saw Jennifer Aniston was on Ellen. Um, she's been really kind of stealth with her PR appearances lately. It's yeah, I think you're right. Because I feel like we had this conversation like, like six or eight months ago where I was like, I didn't even know she had something coming out. Like she did something else and it might've been a Netflix thing too. And, and I was like, and then all of a sudden she's like on Ellen. Right. Which I'm not sure. Maybe other people are doing that same model. That seems to be a lot of what's been happening with particularly Netflix, but streaming in general. I'm trying to remember what the last thing I saw her in was. Well, I think that, you know, there's so much noise now. It's a lot. It's, it's a lot. So, of noise. It's so hard to zero in on something, you know, and, and somebody as big as Jennifer hard. Aniston. Yeah. Ten years ago, say, if she was doing a movie, even a Netflix movie, she would have had like 10 magazine covers. And, oh, you would have seen her all over. Yeah. yeah. And it just and it just seems like that's not it anymore. No. No, I, and I'm agreeing with you. No, it's not like that anymore. Um, Dumplin' was the last time we, that's what it was. That's we were talking about Dumplin'. Was, uh, it was Dumplin' on Netflix. Right, yeah. it was, it was Dumplin'. So, so this is her, se- her second Netflix movie and the second one that I loved. Yeah, I like Dumplin'. So, yeah, I think, um, it's summer now, so I think I will give Murder Mystery a shot 
not too far, not too long down the line. Oh, if you're ever just feeling like that one night, just like put up your feet, pop some popcorn, and enjoy it because it's a kick. Honey, I feel that like that every night. Okay. So, <laughs> so take your pick. <laughs> yeah, there's no good segue between what you were talking about and what I was am going to talk about. Okay, so just do it. Let me just throw it out there. I started listening to a new podcast that I find very intriguing and I wanted to throw out there for you and our loyal listeners. It is called Confronting O.J. Simpson. Tell me all about this because you know me and my true crime shit that I love. Well, so the reason I gave it a shot is because, and it's 25 years now since the murders. um, Exactly, isn't it? So all of the, the, yeah, to the, like almost to the day of the, the recording. So all of the different iterations that we've had, the documentary that won every award and the people versus OJ Simpson miniseries and all of the, like the noise, if you will, um, the two people that really you did not hear a lot from, are the two that my heart has always broken for the most, which is the family of Ron Goldman. Mm. And it's his father, Fred, and his sister, Kim, who were there every day during the trial and who did speak to the media. And I just don't, uh, I mean, like, like, I probably could think of another person, but I can't think off the top of my head of anyone that, like, my heart has broken for more than Fred Goldman, whose life was just destroyed yeah. by of his son. So this is a podcast co-hosted by the sister Kim Goldman. Oh wow. And and so she has aligned with a journalist who is Nancy Glass, who was a big deal in the 90s for tabloid shows. I think she was Yeah, hard- I remember that I remember that name. Inside edition. I'm pretty sure it was hard copy. So when I was watching all of those like real life dramas played out, um she was probably the one that was um anchoring a lot of them. In fact, I think it was her and Bill O'Reilly. I could be wrong. Yeah, they Inside have- Edition. I think it was her with Bill O'Reilly. Like, that was, like, his first major gig, right? That's, yeah, that's that's at least what I knew him from. I think that was his first major thing. Um, right, and I actually think I remember her from a million years ago with Boston's Evening Magazine program. Oh, interesting. Well, funny that you say Boston, because, like, the other stories that I remember her being attached to the most were um, the William Kennedy Smith trial and, um, like, the Pam Smart murder thing that ultimately influenced To Die For. Right. I, I feel like it was on either 4 or 4.30 on weekdays when I was home from school and watching while I did homework. So, so now the two of them are going back and revisiting and talking to people that were a part of the all of the, the, the nonsense with the trial, the, the tragedy, with the case itself. Uh, can I ask a question or can I, I'm sorry for interrupting, but I'm curious. Yes, you're co you can ask whatever you want. Because this, okay, because there has been so much OJ, right, with all the different, yeah. um, you know, from the, from the true stories, the true crime end of things to like the fictionalized end of things, right? Is there, are you learning anything new? With this new perspective, um, well, that perspective is exactly the right word. I'm not learning major things. You're just getting other people's perspectives that have sort of stayed buried. So you're hearing a lot uh, of what Kim was experiencing as she was 
um, dealing with the trial and the press and everything. And it's moving chronologically. So I've listened to two podcast episodes so far, which is primarily the murder and the Bronco chase. Um, and they have they've talked they've talked about, you know, she has reached out to Lance Ito, who has rejected the the opportunity to talk on the record about his role during the trial. Um, they're interviewing Cato Kalen coming up. So I wow. Think, I think we're now getting some more people's perspectives with time and distance that we didn't get in the last few years and that we haven't really thought about since 25 years ago. So, um, no, I don't think we're getting a lot that's new, but I think we're getting it um, in ways that feel a little less tampered with. I mean, I think I think that FX series is r- really bad and irresponsible. And while mm. it's a redemption story for Marsha Clark, it does not talk at all about what a terrible job the prosecution did. Also, I, I mean, like the whole thing about the gloves, if it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Yeah, but the point is the gloves did fit. They fit him like a glove. And they didn't talk about that. So... <laughs> I never understood that. He got them on his hands. That is like the brilliance of Johnny Cochran in that he could be like, it doesn't fit. I have a rhyme. Yeah, but we're watching them fit his hands. These gloves fit him perfectly. They are the right size. Why is everyone remembering it wrong? So I'm wondering, uh, and I think it will be a painful listen because it is spoken by someone who experienced the most pain from the loss. Uh, mm. But it's the to me, it's the only conduit that actually makes it worth revisiting. Uh, so I wonder if it will be worth it in, in the long run. Um, and I have friends that are also like big true crime and true murder uh, devotees in terms of all programming and podcasts. Um, so I, I don't know if this is something that is even like... Ooh, uh, like juicy's not the right word. In, in, in bloodlusty. I don't know if it's actually if there's enough for those people who are truly drawn to the true crime stuff. Mm-hmm. But but I am, and for me, it's because specifically of the Goldmans. Cool. I'm gonna have to check oh. that out because you know I, I do love my true crime. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see who else they are able to talk to. Um, and through the prism of what we knew then and what we know now. And I like the idea that it's through their 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 eyes because I feel like that takes away the sensationalization of it and it, make, it makes it more human. Well, it, it certainly does. It certainly makes it more human. And so far they've done a very good job of stripping away the sensationalism. Mm, cool. I'm yeah, that sad, someone else's tragedy, but, but an interesting, yeah. like... We can learn from it, right? There's always a takeaway. There's always a takeaway. Yeah. Always a takeaway. Phew. Well, take me away to Broadway. Let's go to Broadway. The segues at all tonight. No, we're t- we're just tired. We're we're tired, and 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 none of these lend themselves to like one through line. We're tired, and we're old. And we just have a car that says "Die, bitch" on it. <laughs> yeah. I would buy a car just to have someone spray paint that. No, I would. I would spray paint it on your car in a second. Yeah, I know you would. That's because we're friends. And that's why I fear you now. But that's neither here nor there. (laughs) So what have you been seeing at the theater? uh, Yeah, uh, I want to talk semi-quickly about a couple small um, 
gems, maybe? Ooh, gems. Well, the the one I'll, I'll open with is a gem, and it's not playing much longer, but I really want to give it its due. Um, it's a play called Open by a playwright we both like very much named Crystal Skillman, and that's basically why I wanted to shed light on it. Um, it's part of a, 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 a brief sort of festival of new shows that are going up in the sort of otherwise uneventful summer months at the Tank Theater in Midtown, mm-hmm. um, and it's... It's called Open, and the it's a one-woman show uh, in which the main character is called The Magician. But it's not really about magic. She's not really just playing magic. Uh, wonderful actress that I've, I think, spoken of a couple times recently to my great pleasure. Uh, her name is Megan Hill, and she plays uh, this, quote-unquote, um, magician. Um, but what she's really talking about is... Um, the experience she had with her girlfriend, Jenny, who is, um, as we learn, in a hospital bed after a gay bashing. So mm. it's uh, we, we are sort of reeled in thinking this is perhaps a show about something and then ultimately learn it's about something far more harrowing. Um, it was um, the main character, Kristen is her name, was researching a novel about young musicians when she met this other character, Jenny. They fall in love. Um, and, and and it's, you know, what Crystal Skillman, the playwright, does, I think, skillfully, uh, is kind of make parallels between suspension of disbelief and delusion and what it takes to love someone and, and what true romance really is um and it's really a very affecting show and megan hill is just amazing carrying the whole thing um and i just wanted to put this show on the record if that's what our podcast can do because um between between her work and the script and jesse hill's direction um it's a really powerful show and it's one worth seeing if you can get to it I think you have until June 22nd. I'm sure you can get tickets. It's not going to be a sellout. Um, but but look into it. I, I, did I hear you open your mouth like you were about to say something? Oh, I was curious. The director and Megan Hill, are they related? Or do they just happen to have the same last name? I think it's just the same last name. Oh, okay. I'm sorry for that stupid question. I was just wondering it. And I don't know about the sellout. I mean, it's a critic's pick in the New York Times. That is true, and maybe and a, a bit surprisingly. So I don't and know. The, if, and the, you know, it's a small theater, so grab yeah. your tickets now if you want to go see it. Crystal, Crystal is a hell of a writer. Yeah, she really a really special voice. I think. Yeah, she is, and she's a lovely, lovely human being too. Yeah, yeah, she is. So, so um, Crystal, do you hear that? We love you. We hope you're listening to we us. Love you, girl. Um, what else can I talk about? Um, I think I talked about The Cake a few months back, written by Becca Brunson. Yes, yes. So she has another show that just opened in New York called Public Servant. Um, and this is a, a different theater and a different theater company. Um, but it also is set in North Carolina. So I think it is being billed as part of some sort of thematic trilogy. I'm not sure if that's really true or not, um, but it's it's special enough on its own. And this company is called Theater Breaking Through Barriers. So this is actually um, a company that tries to do real good and showcase performers uh, with disabilities. 
Um, and so we have a character played by an actress with cerebral palsy. She's the character is based in New York, but visiting the home of her late mother in North Carolina. And she has to visit the titular public servant because she is trying to sell her mother's house. And there's, there are these zoning issues involving a public pool and a highway that she needs his help with. What he needs help with is also some of his personal life. Um, his wife, we don't see her on stage, but we're told she is bipolar and there is, there are some problems on the home front. At the same time, his college age daughter has come home with some problems of her own. And she ultimately ends up bonding with Miriam, who is the, the character who has come back to town. Um, I think it's a stretch the way some of these relationships ultimately play out, um, but it's also a very heartwarming, you know, three-hander, if you will. So it's – I'm used to seeing Becca doing kind of darker, more sinister – less formula things than this and the cake have turned out to be. But I think they've provided um, some really great opportunities for, for wonderful actors. So I just wanted to shout out the three um, performers. Uh, I mentioned Christine Bruno, um, Chris Henry Coffey is doing a great job as um, the public servant of the title. And Anna Lentz as his daughter is also very good. So that is playing through the end of the month at theater row in Manhattan. Um, and check it out if you get a chance. Cool. Uh, another playwright who I've, um, been a big fan of is Donald Margulies, who won a Pulitzer for a show in the nineties, or I guess it was 2000 called dinner with friends. And, um, wrote a show called collected stories, which I saw revived at Manhattan theater club almost a decade ago with Linda Lavin in what I think is one of the best performances I've ever seen. He's now got a show called Long Lost at the Off-Broadway Space, also at Manhattan Theatre Club. And um, this, unfortunately, is a show that never quite gets there. It never Mm. quite achieves anything. The Long Lost of the title involves a sort of 'er ne'er-do-well brother um, who returns to visit his brother who has made good. He's got a good job and he lives in a fancy apartment with an equal, you know, with a a wife who has an equally uh, successful career. um, And they have one college age son. Um, And basically this is a show, the bulk of which is just giving us exposition and letting us know where all the players stand. So we know who's got a secret on who. The brother returns, says that he's actually dying. We're not sure if we can trust him or not, but he's got dirt both on his brother's wife and uh, and uh, sort of is the only one who can reach the college-age son, who is nice and well-bred but has his own stuff going on. There's never actually, as far as I can tell, a plot like this never actually mm. takes off. It's just sort of a revolving door and a rotating set of, of of different people saying, "You've got a secret. I've got a secret. Are you really going to tell this person this thing? Because I'm going to tell this person this thing too." So, kind of a disappointment in that it doesn't rise. Uh, so I can't I can't recommend it. Um, oh, how I, I wish I had wanted to. Um, yeah, it's a great cast too. Oh, it's a great cast. And um, what's his name? 
the son is played in probably the sharpest performance by Alex Wolf, mm-hmm. whose brother Nat Wolf already has sort of made a mark. Um, Alex Wolf was in the movie Hereditary that was released last year, uh, the horror movie with Tony Collette. Okay. And I was uh, like touch and go on that movie. I think it was altogether too much. But the performances were not a problem, and he was had a really tough role, I think, to play, and I thought was great. And I think he's demonstrating similarly sharp instincts um, in this show. Wow, cool. Well, you know what? See it for the actors. Yeah, it's and, and uh, Annie Paris and Kelly O'Coin and Lee Turgeson from Oz, among other things, are the adults in the show. Um, so it is a good cast. Um, so the work, the writing could have been better but these are good actors on stage um and there's only like five days left to see it but i'll talk briefly about uh the first of this year's uh this summer's shakespeare in the park entries which is an updated version of much ado about nothing um everyone's raving about that in modern times in atlanta and i'm not going to review it so much as i will pose a question to any listeners who have had the chance to see it because I'm not sure it's totally successful despite its stellar cast led by Danielle Brooks of Orange is the New Black. I'm not sure Much Ado and its plotting really transfigures itself so cleanly to um, a sort of Black Lives Matter um, plotting in 2020, which is, I think, when this is set. It's, you know, we've got like a Stacey Abrams 2020 um, mm-hmm. a banner uh, that that's hanging from the set. I'm not sure with Shakespeare's verse and Shakespeare's plotting, it actually is such a clean uh, update. But maybe other people disagree, and I would love to find out why. I also think, A, I'm much a dude out. It's a show I never need to see again. <laughs> I will say this. The set looks spectacular. The set is cool. Yeah. Okay. I I think it reminds me of other sets I may have seen Shakespeare in the park, but that's not really a demerit because I think the other sets have also been good. Um, And I also think as a comedy, I don't know how much you know about Much Ado or remember, but there's a very starkly dramatic um, scene about two thirds of the way through that I think is so heavy it, it's almost impossible to recover from it and still be a comedy. And I think that too doesn't quite work for what is trying to be done in this production by the public. Um, so if others have gotten to see it and you disagree, come at us, tell us why. I'm certainly open to the conversation. Uh, I'm glad I saw it. Uh, I should say one of the other actors, Chuck Cooper is also always wonderful um and there are some new songs that are i believe composed by jason michael webb who just won a special tony um and a drama desk for his work on the show choir boy so this show definitely has a lot of talent on and off stage going for it um and if you like getting to see shows in the park uh certainly worth it so so uh, uh, you know a couple sort of qualified recommendations but you know you could do worse than, than to see some of the shows. So open, public servant, long lost, uh, and much ado about nothing in the park. Wow, you really liked it this week. You really had some good theater-going experiences recently. Kept me engaged. And I will say this. We're talking about how tired we are. I'm going to put it out there right now for my friends who are listening. 
I am going through a time. It's the last few weeks, and I think the next few weeks are going to be a rough period for me. So if you feel like sending some love my way, I'm not going to stop you. Please do it. Um, and one way you can do it is on our Facebook page, Back on the Block Pod. Share the love. I know it's summer and it's warm, but we could always do it some extra warmth. Um, and I thank you, and I thank you for your listening and for your loyalty in advance. Yeah, I mean, actually, if you love Doug, give us five stars on iTunes. Yeah, actually, that's the greatest gift. Yeah, that is the greatest gift. <laughs> Are we kidding? Yes. The greatest gift of all is giving us five stars on five iTunes. Our iTunes rating. Yes. Not too proud to beg. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're not. Not at all. All right. Well, thank you. And Karen, a pleasure as always. As always. And thank you all for listening. We are going to have a very special. That's right. A heads up next week. Back on the block next week with the uh, big season three finale of Melrose Place. That's right, Blockheads. We're talking about what I consider to probably be the most pivotal episode of the entire series. So we're going to have a special longer episode of Back on the Block, which means we might have might not have more Hollywood BLVD for two more weeks. That's okay, because we don't need it. That's right. More time to give us five stars. Absolutely. All right. We'll see you next week. We love you guys. Bye. See you back on the block. Bye.